Summit Nation. All right, I miss seeing y'all face. This is different, but hey, the word of God is not bound. And uh, we're, ex we're excited because God is doing things even in the midst of, of this uh, pandemic. God is moving. The curve shall be uh, flattened <laughs> very soon. Praise God. As Carla mentioned, we curse this coronavirus and command it to die in the name of Jesus. That's our right and privilege and authority in the name of Jesus. Well, I've got a, a powerful word for you today. I'm excited. I do miss seeing Summit family, your, your face, but God's word continues to go forth through the internet, onto your phones, your tablets, your televisions. Praise God. We are on YouTube. We're on Facebook. We're on our Summit Church platform. So you can help me to get this word out on Resurrection Sunday. Yes, Resurrection Sunday. Yes. Jesus is alive. Praise God. And nothing can stop his church. Nothing uh, can stop the word of God, the word is not bound. It goes forth this morning, and I believe that the church will reach more people on this Resurrection Sunday than any other Sunday in history. In the name of Jesus, praise God. We're going to begin in John, John's Gospel, chapter 1. I want to talk to you today about the new covenant of grace. Jesus came to usher in a new covenant. There's two primary covenants. There's several covenants in the Bible, but there are two primary covenants, the old covenant and the new covenant. In John chapter 1, verse 17, it says, For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. All right, I want you to listen carefully. I want to do just some, some flat-footed teaching today to help you understand the difference in the covenants because there are a lot of people that don't know the difference, and as a result, they're living their lives based on a, a mixture of the two covenants and sometimes praying prayers that are not new covenant based. They're praying prayers that's old covenant based. And let me tell you what I'm talking about. Let me give you a little bit, a little teaser. Because there's a lot of talk today about um, during this uh, pandemic that we need to, the, the church needs to pray 2 Chronicles 7.14, and, um, which, which, which says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, um, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, and then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. That is not a new covenant prayer, and I'm going to share with you why. And to, to, to pray that prayer sort of implies that the church is responsible for this coronavirus because we need to, to turn from our wicked ways and we have some sort of sin in the body of Christ that we need to get forgiven of in order for God to do what he wants to do and bless us. Well, that is incorrect. That was true in the old covenant and that was a prayer that was valid and... Um, it, it, was, it was appropriate for the old covenant, but it's not appropriate for us in the new covenant. So I'm just going to leave that out there, and I'm going to explain why that's not a new covenant prayer. Okay, now, the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Now, some people say, well, yeah, I know, Pastor, you, you teach a lot on grace. And, and first of all, um, grace is not a subject to me. It, 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 grace is not a message 
Grace is the gospel. If you look at Acts chapter 20, the scripture refers to the word as the word of his grace. It's the word of grace. You could also see that in Galatians chapter 1. But some people say, well, yeah, but you've got to balance grace with truth. And there are people who try to say that, that uh, grace is, uh, or excuse me, the truth is the law. So you have to balance grace with the law. No. Grace, if you, if, if you teach 99% grace and 1% law, it equals law. See? So... Let's, let's go back and look at the scripture. For the law came, was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. See, so you, can't, you can't teach a little bit of law. And I'm going to tell you why. In James, it, it says, he who tries to keep the whole law but is guilty in one point is guilty of the whole thing. <clears throat> so you just can't pick certain parts of the law that you're going to keep. Nobody can keep the whole law. It's impossible. Only one person kept the law, and he kept it perfectly, and that's Jesus. He kept the law so we wouldn't have to keep it. He came to fulfill the law. The law was never given to make a man righteous. Jesus, well, Jesus didn't come to destroy the law. That's right. He came to fulfill it, and that's what he did. He kept the law perfectly. He went to the cross and died for all of our sins, past, present, and future. He fulfilled the law. The, see, the Bible says that the law was contrary to us. In 2 Corinthians 3, the Bible calls the law a ministry of death. It was never meant to make us righteous. What was the law given for? The law was given to bring man to the end of himself. So man could realize that he couldn't keep it and he needed a savior. To preach the law is to promote sin because the strength of sin is the law, 1 Corinthians 15, 56. That word for strength is, is the Greek word dunamis, is trans, translated strength. Dunamis means power. So the power of sin is the law. So when preachers try to preach the law, they think they're stopping sin, but actually they're promoting it. See, when Jesus went to the cross, the Bible says that, that he nailed the, the handwriting, he, he took the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. What was the handwriting of ordinance? ordinances? It was the Ten Commandments. Now, there were 613 laws. I mean, there's no way to keep all of them. But the handwriting of ordinances that the scripture mentions in, in Colossians 2 were the Ten Commandments that were written by God on two tablets of stone with God's finger. They were written with the finger of God, the Ten, the ten Commandments. And the scripture tells us that he took the handwriting writing of ordinances that was against us, not for us, against us, and contrary to us, he took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. So the law has been taken out of the way. See, the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth, on the other hand, came through Jesus Christ. So since he took it out of the way, the truth cannot be the law. Furthermore, the word came... If you notice, if you look at, let's look at, again, John chapter 1. Look at the word came. The New Testament was originally written in Greek. The Greek word that's translated came is a singular verb. Okay? Now, it seems like the word right after grace and truth should be plural because it mentions two things. But instead... Grace and truth came. Came is a singular verb, which means in the Greek, 
it treats grace and truth as a singular item. Ah, so what does that mean? Grace and truth are one and the same. They're the same thing. See, grace is not a teaching. It's not a doctrine. It is not a message. As I said, it's the gospel. And more than that, grace is a person. And his name is Jesus. Jesus came to usher in a new covenant of grace. Hallelujah. Grace and truth are embodied in Jesus. So it's not a balance of grace and the word. The word is grace. Thank you, Lord. So grace is a person. His name is Jesus. And what does the Bible say in John 8, 32? If you continue in my word, you, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. What's the truth? Grace. So you shall know grace, and grace is grace that will make you free. That's the word that we should be preaching, and I'm preaching it boldly from the housetop, from the rooftop. Praise God, the word of his grace, because that's what will change and transform lives. Not trying to keep the law. You can't keep it. Jesus took the law out of the way. We are dead to the law and married to Jesus. Thank you, Lord. If you try to keep the law while being married to Jesus, you are, you are cheating on Jesus. Now listen to this statement. My, my job as a gospel preacher, screen keeps coming off, okay. My job as a gospel preacher is not to get you. Not, now, just as a, as a side note, God wrote the law on tablets of stone. So I got a tablet right here. And see, so, so tablets, that's, that's nothing new. God wrote the law on tablets of stone. But anyway, my job as a gospel preacher is not to get you to live right. I'm going to let that simmer for a minute. My, God, my, my job as a gospel preacher is not to get you to live right but to help you believe correctly. See, the new covenant, the only requirement in the new covenant, okay, our, our part in the new covenant is one word, believe. So my job is not to get you to, to or not to help you to live right. That's not my job. My job is to help you believe correctly. If I can get you to believe the right way, to believe the truth of the word of his grace, then you will live the right way. Jesus didn't say, listen, he said, you shall know the truth or you should know grace and the grace will make you free. Jesus didn't say, you shall, uh, or, or doing the truth will make you free. Jesus didn't say hearing the truth will make you free. He said knowing the truth will make you free. So I, I want to share the truth with you today. The truth, the word of his grace, which is the truth. Now, I'm going to show you, give you some statements to help you see the difference between law and grace. Okay, the law is man-centered. On the other hand, grace is Christ-centered. Listen very carefully because I, I want you to see the difference between the law and grace. Man, I tell you what, this is the best news ever. <laughs> okay, <laughs> when you understand Living under grace gives you such freedom because it's all about Jesus. It's not about you. It's not about your performance. 
It's not about what you do. It's about what Jesus has already done for us. The law is man-centered, whereas grace is Jesus-centered. The law focuses on what you must accomplish. Grace focuses entirely on what Jesus has accomplished. Under the law, listen, under the law, you are disqualified by your disobedience. Under grace, you are qualified by Jesus' obedience. Under the law, you are made righteous when you do right. Do right, church. No. Under grace, you're made righteous when you believe right. Right believing produces right living. So the focus of, of the church and the focus of my, of, of my preaching is, is not to get you to live right, but to help you believe right. Okay, here's, here's some statements here. Now I want you to listen. The law, difference between law and grace. Law, the law. The law was given impersonally through Moses, a servant of God. Okay? See, the law was given through Moses. It, it came uh, uh, impersonally through Moses. But grace came down. Grace came personally through Jesus, the Son of God. The law reveals what man ought to be. Grace reveals who God is. The law results in miracles of death. Grace results in miracles of life. What do I mean by that? Well, when the Ten Commandments was originally given to Moses on Mount Sinai, when he went up on the mountain and God wrote, the Ten Commandments on two tablets of stone with his finger. And Moses came down from the mountain. You know what he came down to? The children of Israel had already broken the first commandment before, before uh, God could ever, before Moses could ever get it to them. They were down there uh, worshiping a golden calf. And as a result, see, the, see, see, the law results in miracles of death as a result of their sin. 3,000 people died that day. But grace results in miracles of life. When, the, when, when Peter preached the gospel on the, on the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit of God uh, came down and uh, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and when the Spirit of God was poured out and the church began, Peter preached on that day, and 3,000 people got saved. So you see, the law results in miracles of, of death, but grace results in miracles of life. The letter of the law kills, the Spirit of grace gives life. The law demands righteousness. The law demands righteousness from sinfully bankrupt man. The law demands righteousness from sinfully bankrupt man. Grace provides righteousness as a gift to man. See, so, so the law demands righteousness from man, but grace provides righteousness as a gift to man. The law is, is old, uh, inflexible wineskin. Grace is new, intoxicating wine. Woo! <laughs> Under the law, sins are remembered and punished by God. Under grace, sins, because of the cross, sins have been forgiven 
and remembered no more by God. Under the law, the law dispenses blessings and cursings. Grace dispenses only blessings. The law is man-centered. What you must do for God. But under grace, grace is God, Jesus-centered, what God will do for you, what Jesus has done for you. Under the law, you are disqualified by your disobedience. Under grace, you are qualified by Jesus' obedience. Under the law, you are justified by your works. Under grace, you are justified by faith. Glory to God. Man, that blesses me. All right. Um, Now let's go over to Hebrews chapter 10. Jesus came to replace the entire system of the Old Covenant. Verse 9 from the Passion Translation, and then we're going to move over into the, uh, the ESV. And, and then he said, God, I will be the one to go and do your will. This is Jesus. So by being the sacrifice that removes sin, He abolishes animal sacrifices and replaces that entire system with the new covenant. Whew, man, do you see that? God replaced the entire system of the Old Old Testament or the Old Covenant with the law. Let's look at verse 10 from the ESV. And by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Okay, let me see if I can uh, control this presentation, make it a little easier on the team there. We are multitasking. We got a small crew, praise the Lord. And we, uh, I always want to give a shout out to my crew. Thank God for them because... Uh, they're doing an excellent job making me look good up here. Thank you, Lord. Uh, man, wasn't that some wonderful, powerful worship and praise today? Man, you, you'd think the church was full of people. Amen. This Resurrection Sunday, man, we're reaching, we're reaching people. Lives are being changed. We're getting re- praise reports coming in. That people's lives have been touched and changed and helped and inspired and encouraged. And, and that's, what, that's what it's all about. Amen. This new covenant is nothing but good news. Thank you, Lord. This is not the place to be if you want to get beat up. This is good news that Jesus took all your sins, that you are free. Thank you, Lord. Verse 10, and by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus once for all. Sanctified means set apart. It means holy. We're already holy. You don't have to try to get holy. You're already holy because of Jesus, because Jesus came into the world to take our sins away. Now, he's contrasting the old system of the old covenant with the new system of the new covenant, the new covenant of grace. And every priest stands daily at his service offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But when Christ See, those Old Testament sacrifices of bulls and goats and animals couldn't take away sins. They only covered over the sins for a year. That was a temporary system that would last until Jesus came. The Bible says the law was our, there's no way we should be keeping the law today. The law, in in fact, if you're not a Jew, the law was never meant for you anyway. And the law was a temporary system. 
And, and it says, the scripture says, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ. Once we're in Christ, we're no longer under the tutor. When Christ, as opposed to those sacrifices that could only um, uh, cover over sins, all right, could never, that scripture, uh, previous scripture tells us, could never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Now, hold on. Hold on, player. Watch this. He offered a, for all time a single sacrifice. That's talking about a single sacrifice for sins for all time. Past all time is See, in order to have time, you got to have three things. You got to have past, you have to have present, you got to have future, or you ain't got time. You say, well, what, where does the Bible say that he, he took our future sins all the time? Where does the Bible say that he took your past sins all the time? Where does the Bible say he took your present sins all the time? See, unless you're over 2,000 years old, all your sins were future when he took them on the cross. And he took everybody's sins for their entire life on that cross. Even people who have not yet accepted Jesus, all their sins have been taken care of. Now, they, they have to receive Christ, and then, and then it's applied to them. But it's already done. He ain't going back to the cross. The Bible tells us in in Hebrews chapter 9, he's coming back a second time not to deal with sin because he already dealt with it on the cross. Man, this whole thing, this thing we call Christianity, it's fixed. All the work's been done for you. All you got to do is receive. All you got to do is believe. When Christ offered for all time one sacrifice, that high priest had to keep going on in every year. Offering the sacrifices for the sins of the people every single year, and it only it could never take away sins, it only covered over sin. Jesus came one time, offered a single sacrifice for sins for all time, and then he sat down. You sit down when the work is done. See, the Old Testament high priest, he had all these different things in the, the pieces of furniture in the tabernacle, such as the you know, the place where the candlesticks were, the table of showbread, and, and all these different, different pieces of furniture. But you, do you know one piece of furniture that was not in the ta Old Testament tabernacle? A chair. Because his work was never done, he could never sit down. But Jesus, after he offered one sacrifice for the sins of all time, for all of you and my and everyone's sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet, for by, here it is again, for by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us after saying, watch this, this is the new covenant that I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord. It's my, sl my slide. This is not working, so y'all have to help me. So, okay. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days. Actually, I don't really need that in the back. I can refer to uh, my tablet, praise the Lord. This is the covenant that I will make, that I will make. See, this is, this is what God does. I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord. That's these days that we're living in right now. I, watch this, I will put my laws. Now, this is, this is not the Old Testament law. That would contradict what God said, that he took the law out of the way, that, that um, we're no longer under the law, but we're under grace. See, and that's the reason why sin will not have dominion over us. We don't need the law to curb sin. The scripture tells us that sin will not have dominion over you because you're not under the law, 
but you're under grace, okay? So he took the law out of the way, nailing it to his cross. We, we're dead to the law. So this can't be talking about the law of Moses putting on our, in our hearts. He's put some new kind of laws in us, okay? So we don't need, we don't need a preacher to put us in check and, and keep us from sinning. We don't need threats from a pastor or, or a minister to keep us away from sin, okay? We, we don't need a threat from God. Oh, man, God's going to get you if you don't watch out, okay? Uh, no, God, he fixed this thing. He put his laws in our hearts, and he writes his laws on our minds. He's given us the Holy Spirit. He said, when, before Jesus left, he said, I'm not going to leave you helpless. I'm going to give you another comforter, one just like me, that, that will abide with you forever. So we have a governor on the inside of us. We, we, we are to be led by the Spirit of God. What, what kind of laws are written on our hearts? Like the law of love? The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus is writ written on our hearts. The law of faith. Those are the kind of laws that's written in our hearts. And so the Holy Spirit, we, we trust the Holy Spirit to teach us how to live. And see, when you believe this, see, you're believing right. And see, as, and when you believe right, you're going to live right. You'll live holier by accident than you ever could on purpose. By believing this truth. Jesus made you righteous on the cross. You don't have to do anything to earn your righteousness or right standing with God. Righteousness is a gift. Okay? Righteousness is a gift it's not a goal to be achieved. It's a gift to be received. And when you receive this abundance of grace, see, oh, this almost sounds too good to be true, but it's true. It sounds too good to be true, but it's true. When you receive this abundance of God's grace, what is grace? It's God's unearned, undeserved, unmerited favor. And when you receive this abundance of grace, and the gift of righteousness, you will reign in life, Romans 5, 17. You reign as kings. See, God said, I will put my law. See, see notice, it, this is nothing you're doing. The old covenant was a conditional covenant. The blessings of God were based on your keeping the commandments. The new covenant is an unconditional covenant that's based on what Jesus did for you. In order to get blessed, the old covenant was a system. Thank God we got that entire system replaced. But the old covenant was a system of do good, get good, do bad, get bad. In order to receive the blessings of God, of God you had to keep the commandments. You had to keep conditions. And then God would bless you. If you didn't meet the conditions, if you didn't keep the commandments, then you wouldn't be blessed and God would be mad at you. But in the, in the new covenant, see, the new covenant, in the new covenant, God will never be angry with you again. God is not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. Jesus kept the law perfectly. He met the conditions. He went to the cross. So under the new covenant, it's just, it's all about what God is doing and what Jesus has already done for you. Notice the I wills. This is the covenant that I will make with them. I will put my laws in their, this is nothing you're doing. I'll put my laws in their hearts. I'll write them on their minds. I will remember their sins and lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no, watch this, there is no longer any 
offering for sin. No more offerings for sin. Because the single sacrifice took care of sins for all time. Hebrews chapter 8. Basically saying the same thing. Hebrews chapter 8 verses 10 through 12. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put, sound familiar? We're in a different chapter, believe it or not. This is, God, God wants us to see we're under a new covenant, y'all. We're under a new system. Don't try to live under the old system. It won't work. That's why the way is hard for so many Christians is because they're trying to keep an old system. They're walking under rules that belong to an old system. And it won't work. It'll keep you frustrated. See, it's not just the Ten Commandments. Any kind of rules that says, see, the principle of the law is you've got to do certain things in order for God to bless you. You've got to do certain things in order for, uh, in order for you to, to qualify for God's blessing. See, that's the law. That's the principle of the law. Anything that you try to do to earn God's favor, to earn God's acceptance, to earn God's approval. See, that's not the truth, and that's not going to make you free. It's going to keep you, what's the opposite of freedom? Being in bondage. It's going to keep you in bondage. The principle of the law that's preached in so many churches today I'm for the church. I love the church. I, I, I'm just, I just endeavor to help people. I'm not trying to criticize. But in so much, so much preaching in the church today is on do more, get better, try harder. You know God's been so good to you. Y'all better praise him and try, try to coerce people into praising God, coerce people into serving God. After all God has done for you, you need to be doing this, and you need to be doing that. And if you compare your life with what Jesus has done for you, you never, none of us, who's going to measure up to that? It's always going to be like a little carrot in front of you, and, and as soon as you get close to that carrot, they pull the carrot back. It's like, you, you need to do a little bit more. You need to try a little bit harder. See, that's not the new covenant. That's not the covenant of grace. I say this often, but it, it bears repeating. The old covenant is a relationship with God that's based on what you have to do to qualify for God's blessings in his favor. The new covenant is a relationship with God that's based on what Jesus has already done to qualify you for God's blessings and his favor. Thank you, Lord. And that's good news. Okay. For this is the covenant that I will, that I will make. This is something, this is not what you do. God made this covenant. That I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declare, declares the Lord, I will put my laws into their mind. Thank you, Lord. I will put their laws in their mind. I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. You know what that means when God says, I, I will be your God? That means that he'll prosper you. He'll be whatever you need him to be. If you need, if you need finances, if you have lack, he will prosper you. If you need healing, he will heal you. If you need your marriage restored, if you need, need a, a restoration in, in, your, in your family, then he will be there to bring restoration for you. That's what it means. I will be your God. See, in the old covenant, when God said, I will be your God, that means I got you. I'm taking care of you. You ain't got to worry about nothing. I will put my laws into their minds and write, write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach each one 
his neighbor and each one his brother, saying, Know the Lord. They shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. For I will, here, here it is. Notice how many, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. Old covenant, you do, 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 do list. Under the old covenant, I will, I will. I will put my laws in their minds. I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God. I will be merciful towards their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. All right, in conclusion, I want to take a few moments to talk about what I'm hearing a lot about these days. Second Chronicles 7.14. Should we be praying this prayer today. If my people who are called my, by my name will humble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. As I mentioned earlier, that is not a prayer for the new covenant. That is not a new covenant prayer. That's an old covenant prayer. Now, if you listen, I've already really given you some hints on why this is not a new covenant prayer. Now, praying this prayer, first of all, it starts by if my people. So this is, this is talking to, even in the Old Covenant, it's talking to God's people. So then, if the church is praying this prayer, it implies that there's something that we've got to do. Now, now, now let me back up. People, I want to be clear that you understand what I'm saying. There are people who are talking about we need to pray this prayer in connection with the coronavirus. Any kind of thing that happens on the earth seems like uh, Katrina or, or any kind of uh, um, a virus or something. There's always somebody going to say God's responsible. Either he caused it or he allowed it and there's sin in the world or sin in America, and sin in China, and sin in Africa, sin in Europe. So, so therefore, we got to clean up the church, so to speak. And, uh, and then if we do that, if we, if, if we can turn from our wicked ways, if we, if we repent of our sins, and you got Christians just begging God to forgive them and, 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 uh, and wash them and cleanse them and make them holy. And, then, and, and if we do enough of that, if we get enough people, we round up, <laughs> round up enough people to do that, then God would, would forgive them, for, forgive us, and then the coronavirus would be gone. And then what happens is if enough people do that and they galvanize the church to do that, and then when the coronavirus is gone, then the church pats himself on the back. It's like we took, you know, we, we were responsible because of we repented of our sins. No, that's not. That's not. This is going to happen when the, when the church rises up and takes their authority and understand we don't have any sin. Let, 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 let me. We don't have any sin because Jesus took it on the cross. We don't have a sin nature. But all of us sin. We commit acts of sin. The only, only person that could, could uh, live perfectly free and lived a life on this earth without sinning was Jesus. And if it's about getting acts of sin out of the church, <laughs> I mean, then, I mean, you're never going to do that because all of us sin. Hello. Hang on now. So to pray this prayer, it, it implies that the church is responsible for the coronavirus because of sin. And, and there's some people who say or imply that God allowed it to, uh, 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 as a wake-up call for the church. That's not true because God is not the author of the coronavirus. Satan is responsible, Period. It's not because of America's sin or China's sin or anybody else's sin. It's because the devil is out to steal, to kill, and destroy. Anything that kills, anything that steals, anything that destroys, Satan is responsible for, 
period, bottom line, end of story. It ain't got nothing to do with people sinning in the church because people are always going to be sinning in the church. So people conclude that what we have to do, the solution is repent of our sins in order for God to heal our land. Now again, under the old covenant, that was a conditional arrangement where the people of God had to meet conditions which were, was keep the law in order for them to be blessed by God. But the new covenant, again, is an unconditional arrangement where Jesus met all the conditions by coming to this earth, keeping the law perfectly, going to the cross, and he took all of our sins, listen, past, present, and future, and he doesn't want us to pray Second Chronicles 7.14 he, because he doesn't want us focused on sin because he took our sin on the cross. He took all of them. And, it's, and we, as I said, we all, he took the sin nature out of us. We all will commit acts of sin, but guess what? As soon as you sin, it's washed because we, it's washed away because we are under the, the constant waterfall of God's forgiveness. We're, we're in a constant wash cycle. <laughs> as soon as you sin, it's forgiven. So God doesn't see sin in the church. When he looks at the church, you know what he sees? You know what he sees when he looks at you, child of God? I don't care how some of you maybe watching this, and you may be living a lifestyle of sin right now. You may be uh, uh, ashamed of things that you've done. You may have made mistakes. Guess what? All of us have made mistakes. And let me tell you something. God is not condemning you. God is not condemning you. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. I don't care what the church has told you. You are loved. You are valued. You are forgiven, you are accepted, you are approved, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. Even though you're not living right, those of you that are not living right, start believing right. See, my goal here is to help you to believe the right thing. Believe that you're loved. Believe that you're forgiven. Believe that you're accepted. Believe that you're valued. Believe that God is well pleased with you. That's how God sees you. Because why? Well, who, me? Pastor, you don't know what I've done. I don't have to. I know what Jesus has done for you. And when God looks at you, he sees Jesus. So don't pray this old covenant prayer. Okay? It was appropriate in the old covenant, but it's not appropriate for us today because we've already been forgiven. I want to conclude with this, this scripture that will, will drive this home. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, it says, um, now we were in Hebrews chapter 10, but I'm, I'm going to read down further. It says in verse 19 from the, from the Passion Translation. Y'all getting something out of this? Say something in the comment section. I should, I should bring these comments up here. What y'all saying out there? Help me preach. Greet, greet people, that new people that are coming in and we got new people that's joining us all the time. I want to conclude with this. Y'all hang on. This is going to bless you right now. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Wherever you are, say, I'm blessed because of Jesus. It's not, by, it's not because of your obedience, but it's because of of his obedience. Thank you, Lord. And now, we are brothers and sisters in God's family because of the blood. Let me tell you something else. It's not your confession. You don't need to confess your sins in order to be forgiven because you're not forgiven on the basis of your confession. You're you're forgiven on the basis of the blood. Like we live in, a, in, in an economy on the earth that's 
like to buy goods and services, okay, it's, it's a currency, money. It's a money-driven economy, okay? But in the kingdom of God, it's a blood-based economy. We are forgiven on the basis of his blood. And you don't ever have to ask God to forgive you of any sin. As soon as you, as soon as you sin, and we all do, instantly you're washed of it because of what Jesus did 2,000 years ago. You don't have to ask him to forgive you. He already forgave you on the cross. We are brothers and sisters in God's family. Because of what? Because of the blood of Jesus. And he welcomes us, watch this, to, to do what? To come to come right into the most holy sanctuary in the heavenly realm boldly and with what? No hesitation. Woo, glory to God, hallelujah. Boldly. How does that make y'all feel? What the, what the word says, the, 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 the truth, the word of his grace. I'm telling you, this is the truth. Grace, God's unconditional love and his grace is the truth that will make you free. We don't have a conditional covenant. We have an unconditional covenant. And listen, not, Lord, we, uh, we seek your face and turn from our wicked ways. So then, then, then Second Chronicles said, then I'm going to hear from heaven. No, there's no conditions of us hearing from heaven. He said, come right, come on right on in with no hesitation. And does it say anything in here about asking him to forgive you? Does it say anything in here about doing certain things? Okay? Before you come into my presence. Because many folk in the church are talking about all these conditions, all these steps that you have to take to enter into God's presence. No, Jesus collapsed the steps. No step. Come right in. <laughs> I love it. Come right in. I can see somebody shouting and jumping, even though I don't have anybody, too many people in front of me, just a handful of folks, but I know folks in here excited. I believe you're excited where you listen to this. I'm telling you what, you can come right in. You can come right in without hesitation. You don't have to tiptoe or, 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 or do the uh, electric slide into the, <laughs> oh, that's not what I'm looking for. I guess, well, you don't have to do the electric, electric slide, and, and, and neither do you have to moonwalk. Uh, back into the uh, presence of God, a tiptoe and, and, and hold your face down and, and walk in there, shame, Lord, I know I've done wrong, I know I sinned. And, and God has said, what sin? What sin? You cleanse, you wash, come on in, just come on in. Come on in, talk to me, tell me what you want, tell me what you need, tell me what your family needs, come on in. Spend some time with me, just hang out. Come on, let's hang out. Jesus collapsed a step. Come, come right into the most holy sanctuary in the heavenly realm. How many seminars have people taught about all these things, all these conditions and things you got to do to enter into God's presence? You got to make sure you're clean and, and go through this and go through this and go jump through all of these hoops. No, enter into rest. Thank you, Jesus. That's a whole bunch of work, man, but I'm telling you what, just, just, just he who believes enters the rest. No more working to try to please God. For he has declared, let's look, look at verse uh, another scripture coming to me. For he has dedicated a new life-giving way for us to approach God. For just as the veil was torn in two, Jesus was bought Jesus' body was torn open to give us what? Woo free and fresh access to him. 
Every time you come into God's presence, it's fresh. I want to close with this. By the way, if you want our notes, and there's some things that I um, that may not, there's some scriptures that I have gone to that are not in your notes, but in the app, if you get the Summit Church app, go to your app store, Android or iOS app store, search for Summit Indiana, and you can um, follow along in the notes with us, even though <laughs> I'm about finished, but join us again next week, and then you can have your notes and have the scriptures there. You can actually take notes in the app, and uh, if you just click Sunday morning, and there's a place where that has message notes, and if you click on that, it'll have the scriptures and also a place that you can write notes, and you can email them to yourself or somebody else. Praise the Lord. Hebrews chapter 4, I'm going to close with this for real, for real. In um, verse 9, so then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. And for, who, and, and for whoever has entered God's rest has ceased from his works as God did. When you enter into God's rest by believing what Jesus did. See, Jesus' work on the cross was a finished work. Your healing was finished. Your prosperity was, was finished. Your forgiveness was finished. And when you believe that and accept that God, that you are acceptable to God, that you're approved by God, not based on your performance, not based on your effort, but because of Jesus, you stand approved. You stand forgiven. You stand healed. You stand prosperous. What do I got to do to prosper? What do I have to do to get, to get healed? What do I have to do to be forgiven? Believe. Accept what Jesus did for you on the cross. And, and when you believe, you enter rest. And you cease working to try to please God. When you enter into rest, you don't praise and worship God for him to be pleased with you. You worship and praise God because he's already pleased. When you enter rest, you don't pray, spend time with God in prayer to please God. You pray because he's already pleased. And you want to go and spend time with him. You don't read your Bible in order to please God. You read your Bible because he's already pleased. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And we need to tell the world. For real, for real, for real, I'm concluding. <laughs> but we need to tell the world that God is not holding their sins against them. How do I know that? See, Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. See, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. 2 Corinthians 5 tells us that God was in Christ, listen, reconciling the world to himself. Listen, not well, Pastor, I know it. Maybe it's not the it's, it's not the, the Christian sin that the coronavirus came. God allowed that because of the world, the world sin. No, He took care of the world sin on the cross too. So our message for them is not to do right and stop doing this and stop doing that and stop living like this and stop living like that. That's not our message. Our message is good news that Jesus took your sins on the cross. Not, not telling the world about their sins, telling the world that God was in Christ reconciling you to himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. And the Bible says that's the message that he gave us. 
this ministry of reconciliation. That's the gospel that we need to be talking about. Not that they need to do right, but they need to believe right. And if you believe right, you're going to live right. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I'm excited. And we're going to just jump right into uh, communion in just a second. But before I do that, let me give an opportunity where, where, where our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. We've got some special announcements for you, something I'm really excited about. And uh, just, just hang on. We're, 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 uh, we're almost finished. Where are you going to go anyway? You're supposed to stay at home. <laughs> every head bowed, every eye closed. 